Hello, everyone. Welcome to C-Suite Talks. We speak with industry leaders, introducing you to some of the most interesting people and businesses today. We are focused on women, money, and power, as well as diversity in all areas. Welcome to C-Suite Talks. I'm Diane Gubin. And I'm Beth Hilbing, co-CEO of C-Suite. And today we're very blessed, a C-Suite member, and also Jessica McLean, CFO for the Girl Scouts of our nation's capital. She reports directly to the CEO and serves as a member of the senior leadership team with strategic responsibility for finance and accounting, risk management property, product program, retail merchandise, and business operations. She provides staff support to the council treasurer, governance and audit committee, investment committee, and the board of directors, which is a very key role. She's responsible for the annual operating budget of $18 million and manages over 20 employees. Additionally, Jessica is actively involved with accounting profession, both nationally and at the state level, and right now very active in getting those Girl Scout cookies out across this country. <laughs> so welcome, Jessica, to C-Sweet Talk. Welcome, Jessica. Oh, thank you both, Diane and Beth, for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity. So, Jessica, we love the Girl Scouts, and we can't wait to find out more about the work you're doing. And gosh, what a huge area. Who knew that the Girl Scouts had everything, including an investment committee and a board of directors and all the business stuff, right? Absolutely. So um, so tell us about the work you're doing, and what is the Girl Scouts nation's capital versus any other Girl Scouts? So absolutely. I'm their chief financial officer, and as uh, Beth mentioned in her introduction, there's about five departments that roll up to me. Um, and I will say I am part of the nation's capital council. So there are 111 councils across the entire country. And each of us are our own 501c3 organization. So we have our own board of directors, our own C-suite executives. We go through our own audit process each year. And so we operate as our own organization, of course, with help from the national level Girl Scouts USA. Wow. <laughs> so, so it's not, if I, if I got that correctly from you, everything's a separate 501c3. So there's not one big umbrella, everybody's separate. The Girl Scouts USA is it's the big umbrella, uh, but each individual council is its own organization that operates independently with help from the national organization. So you're in one of the independents. Correct. I mean, nation's capital, we are the largest council in the country with the most number of members, over 70,000 members within our council. 70,000 Girl Scouts? Girl Scouts and adult members as well. So our membership bases are our Girl Scouts and also the, our volunteers who play a vital role in just being able to operate programming for our girls. They are, play a big role in our Girl Scout cookie program, 70,000 members. And do you pay membership and membership dues back into the national organization or do they provide you funding back through to the local chapters? The membership dues that our uh, members pay go to the national level of the organization. Okay. Okay. That's pretty typical. I just wonder. Got it. So, so Jessica, the, the important question. So uh, were you a Girl Scout? Are you one now? <laughs> so they say once a Girl Scout, always a Girl Scout. But I was. I actually grew up as a Girl Scout here in the nation's capital area. So this, is, this role uh, means that much more to me, knowing I grew up in this specific council. Right. Beth, were you a Girl Scout? I was a cadet all the way up through to a cadet. I was one until about uh, seventh grade. Yeah, I loved it. Uh, my mom was a troop leader and... I just loved all of it. So I just really thrived in it. Me too. I loved all my badges. I, I wonder what I, I, my sash, when my parents sold their house, I have no idea what happened to my sash with all those badges. And I've thought about that so <laughs> many times. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I just think it's a great way to build community and to build camaraderie with your friends. And I love the camping aspect of it and everything. The only thing I didn't like is sometimes they would have us camp next to the Boy Scouts and then the boys would terrorize the Girl Scouts and, you know, the normal growing up stuff that happens, Ooh. right? Um, how has the Girl Scouts changed over the years? Because um, I've kind of lost track of what the focus has been. Yeah, yeah. Give us a Give us a background. Absolutely. So we've been around for over 110 years and it's always been about empowering girls. And we have evolved over the years, as many organizations have. Uh, We have changed to meet the needs and interests of our girls, whether it's the programming that we provide. STEM is a big part of the programming we provide our girls now. Um, Even specifically in our council, we've done work around mental health. We know what the pandemic has done to each and every one of us and how it was extremely difficult on our young people and definitely our girls. And so we've been doing programming and training around help with uh, mental health. Even our core and amazing Girl Scout cookie program, we've embedded technology into that where girls can now sell cookies online. They can put up kind of a store page on uh, on a website and sell cookies that way as well, in addition to the traditional booster that you see outside stores. But with that, I would say that we still stick to the core. Like you, Beth, I think you mentioned camping. We're about the outdoors. We're about camping. Uh, we're about providing uh, opportunities for building girls of courage, confidence, and character. So that still remains who we are at the core, but definitely have evolved over the years. Right. And you have a daughter, right, Jessica? Yes, I do. I have a four-year-old daughter who is about a year away from being able to join Girl Scouts. And it's Interesting, our CEO one day asked each of her direct reports one day of what's been your most memorable moment or precious moment, you know, being employed with Girl Scouts. And I said, I haven't had mine yet. I said, mine will be when I can sign my daughter up for Girl Scouts. So mine's are still to come. That's great. That's great. So I know that your passion is really strengthening and committing that commitment to DE&I as a C-suite. And so how do you do this in your profession, in the accounting profession, which a lot of people feel is kind of dry, but uh, very needed. But how do you bring that in your profession and through the organization? Yeah, yeah. DE&I, both, both, you know, in the Girl Scouts and in the community. Sure. So I would start with from the Girl Scout aspect. Last summer, our board of directors, uh, they approved a DEIA statement, which is diversity, equity, inclusion and accessibility. Um, we're even in the process of hiring a DEI manager because we want to continue to to strengthen our culture of DEI within our organization. Um, so we're taking that time to do that. We have a DEIA committee. They do lunch and learns about various uh, diverse topics as well. Um, we are proud of where we are so far and where we've gotten to and look forward to continuing um, what we would call our, our DEI journey. Uh, from the accounting profession, there's various things that I do. Um, when it comes to DEI. I sit on the board of the Maryland Association of CPAs Foundation. I sit on the board of the American Institute of CPAs Foundation. And both of those organizations, their mission is to strengthen the strengthen our profession um, in addition to providing the resources to have a diverse talent pipeline within the accounting profession. I, I mentor high school, uh, college students I help mentor individuals looking to become CPAs and passing that tough, tough CPA exam. Even talking about DEI, whether it's at conferences or within articles, um, all of those things play a role in why I have a passion uh, for DEI within the accounting profession. It's been a great profession for me. Uh, I've learned a lot. I've met many great people um, and want to encourage other young people to join the profession as well. 
Right. So, so I know um, recently you were on another podcast where you um, were talking about DE&I and there were times in your life that you didn't feel included. So maybe you can talk about that and how that led you on the journey to make sure that inclusion is, and diversity, equity, inclusion, I thought belonging, and now we have accessibility. So is it D-E-I-B-A or A-B or is not not? there. <laughs> and so I, I heard different organizations use different terms. I know with specifically at Girl Scouts, we wanted to add in accessibility um, to ensure all Girl Scouts that want to participate in programming and in our camping and various activities are able to do that. Um, I know some some organizations use include B with belonging um, as, as well. And there are times, of course, I have felt um, whether not include or exclude or didn't feel like I belonged. Some of it has been for things that I can't control, my gender, my race, um, things that are visible to people, but also times things that aren't, whether it's, I, you know, I went to graduated from a public high school. I went to a public university. I, I didn't have the means to study abroad as others did in college. And not that people were intentionally excluding me as part of those conversations, um, but it was just hard, sometimes hard to feel as though you felt as part of a group, whether it's colleagues at work. Um, again, our accounting profession is changing as far as the makeup within it. Uh, but even when I started about 15 years ago, not many people looked like me, uh, especially in the upper echelons within the organizations that I worked for. And so I, I asked people to be mindful of the conversations that we're having um, and who's around us. Um, I even have another story of someone that I knew uh, when it comes to not feeling included or belonging. Uh, she was having a conversation with a colleague and they brought up how her and the rest of their team had went to a recent happy hour. And she said, oh, no one told me about the happy hour. They said, oh, yeah, this is about the third one we went to. And she said, well, I didn't know about it. Why wasn't I invited? Oh, you're a new mom. You probably didn't want to come anyway. So, you know, we didn't you know, we didn't think to invite you. Um, or include you in that, knowing, again, the responsibilities as a new mother. And that's another example as far as not sometimes feeling included um, as well, because someone made it an assumption uh, for you. And so those are various aspects um, outside of the, the race and gender or, or, or religion that people have to be mindful of that are about uh, diversity as well. That's that's beautiful. And you know what? In some ways, sometimes these conversations, I feel like the people who are talking about these issues are the ones who are aware. And then it's like, how do you like get to the people who are, and that's a whole other conversation, <laughs> who, who really need this, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. For sure. But but repetition never spoils the prayer, for sure. <laughs> so how do you, how is your CEO not only well, so your CEO works at the net for the DC area chapter, but how does the national chapter approach all the different chapters with D and I and tries to shift that mindset amongst? And where is the national located? Because you're in DC. Where, where is the national? The national headquarters is in uh, New York, New York City. Um, and they have a group around DEI and RJ, around uh, diversity, equity, inclusion, and racial justice. And this is, again, at the national level. So that tells you the importance of it. Um, if our national organization uh, is providing the resources and tools and training that all Girl Scout councils can use to strengthen the cultures within their individual organization. So I definitely would say our national organization sees the importance of inclusion, belonging, and diversity. Because um, we, we tell people, you belong in Girl Scouts. It doesn't matter, you know, the race or your economic status or where you've come from or where you're born. Uh, we are about empowering girls, creating future leaders that have meaningful impact within the world and bring about world change. Um, 
and that's what that's what we're all about. So beautiful. That's good. So I know that the Boy Scouts now allow girls. Does the Girl Scouts now allow boys? Yeah, I don't get that, but okay, let's do, let's go down there. <laughs> tell tell us about this, Jessica, because I'm sure I'm just curious. I I don't know. I'm just curious. Yeah, I'm sure you've had many internal discussions about Girl Scouts and Boy Scouts. So go for it. Tell us. <laughs> so our individual, our council, our organization, uh, we allow everyone, as long as they don't identify as a cisgender male. Okay, that's as simple as it is. Anyone else is allowed to join Girl Scouts. Okay. And it gets back to that model of you belong. So if I so if I had two girls and a boy, which I do, by the way, and my son wanted to join the Girl Scouts with the two girls so I didn't have to run around to two different groups, that would be okay now? Well, they can say, does he identify as a cisgender male? No. Then no, he can't. No, then no, he can't. He okay, got Correct. it. Correct. Okay, so, so boys do not come into the Girl Scouts. Unless. I got that. So now what about the other way? <laughs> can, can my daughters join the Boy Scouts? Yes, they can go. And we do have girls that, and there's girls that do, they can join the Boy Scouts, yes. Yes, they can. Okay. But the Boy Scouts don't have cookies, so who wants to do it anyway? <laughs> we have I the cookies. Unless you the brothers. I'll never forget this brother's like, I don't want my sister. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, we like yes, for sure. Okay, not a, not enough about that. So, Jessica, tell me more about um, how you became an accountant and a CFO, and and what you know. Did you always want to be an accountant as a girl, as a little girl? Yeah. Did you always like math? Did you always like math? <laughs> how did you get to that journey? Absolutely. So the first time I was to say I was exposed to the accounting profession, I was probably you know, elementary school age, and there was a substitute teacher. I'll never forget had a wad of money in her pocket. And I asked her, what do you do for a living? Because as a young kid, I'm intrigued by seeing a lot of money. And she said, I'm a tax accountant. From there, I knew I was, I'm going to be an accountant because they make a lot of money and I want to be just like her. Uh, so that's where I got my initial exposure to the accounting profession. And I've always been good at math, but I tell people our, our profession has changed where I do this much math and I'm holding my fingers to mean very little. Um, the role of accountants, the role of CFOs have definitely changed. I'm dealing more with whether it's handling data, uh, strategy, governance. We have CFOs that deal with HR, IT. Um, and so our role has now grown to just beyond crunching the numbers. I have a calculator in Excel that could do that for me, so I don't have to think. Um, that's where I got my first, ex first exposure to the profession. I did my undergrad. I got my master's in accounting um, and joined a large public accounting firm after I graduated. And I thought I was going to be a partner at a firm. That was just, I thought what my goal was going to be. Uh, but after I gave birth to my first daughter, I decided to transition out of public accounting, take a break and say, let's figure out something else. I don't know if this is it. And that's when I transitioned to the nonprofit industry. Uh, I spent some time as a controller, as a nonprofit. And then the opportunity for Girl Scouts came along and I jumped on it. I definitely jumped on it. Um, and here I am now and I'm enjoying every day of it. I love it. Love it. So, so I, I want to go back to this DE and I topic from, uh, before we wind up. And that is, you, you know, you are so involved in DE and I, and I really want to know, like, what can we as individuals do to become more inclusive and better allies to, to what are perceived to be historically marginalized communities? Absolutely. I tell people it's part of it is um, being aware of your own biases is one. We all have them. We all have them. Uh, be, but being aware of them is, is important. 
um, educating yourself on the experience and issues that various minority groups have uh, have faced and are currently facing. I would also add, uh, speak up and, and take action uh, when you see or experience or encounter discrimination. Um, silence can be consent. And I think some of us have learned that by not t- turning a blind eye uh, to things that are happening in front of them. Uh, holding your um, employees accountable for the actions and the decisions that they make um, as well. I, th- I believe those things there at an individual level helps change a culture of an organization. So you're doing this whether you're a staff person or at leadership. When everyone is doing that and being mindful of how DEI plays a role in decisions that are made, how people are treated, how people act, that's the way to do it. And also, again, to change the culture of an organization as well. A lot of emotional EQ for sure. Thank you. Absolutely. So, so Beth, I think what we want to know now is let's talk about our favorite Girl Scout cookies. How many Girl Scout cookies do you sell annually? Okay. <laughs> about how many boxes go out into the world? <laughs> So our council and I'm our part of the our nation's capital region, our footprint is D.C., uh, parts of Maryland, northern Virginia, and the panhandle of West Virginia. Last year, our girls sold over four million boxes of cookies. You're kidding. Oh, geez. that is just here in our area. That is just here in the D.C. area. Yes. And how about nationally? Any sense of nationally? Formerly, how many boxes nationally? Not sure what it is nationally, okay. but just imagine if you take this area and do 4 million, I know uh, the LA region, I know it probably hit around four, four, four and a half million, even last year as well. Wow. And, 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 and what's your favorite cookie? <laughs> Whew. So I grew up loving Thin Mints. Always, Thin Mints have always been my favorite, but I fell in love with the Adventureful. The what? It came out last year. The Adventureful cookie it came out last year. It's one of the newer ones to the lineup. It's a brownie-inspired cookie. It has caramel-flavored uh, cream on top with a hint of sea salt. I like to put mine in the freezer when they're nice and chilled <laughs> with that chocolate. I've never oh. had it. No, I'm, now I'm, like, interested in this one. Beth, you have to, you have to try it. I like tagalongs. I put them in the freezer, too. Have to try it. I love Thin Mints, but I've changed it. So when we come to Washington, are you going to bring samples? I'll just put that out there. I, I will make sure you all have some. <laughs> Oh, Diane, you need to buy them and put the money into them. <laughs> you can buy them. They're right down the block, I know. <laughs> so, but wait a second, wait a second, wait. So out of those 4 million cookies, and this was your favorite, but what was the favorite, the, the biggest seller of all the cookies within your district? Thin Mint is our number one selling cookie. And they say it's actually the number two cookie across the country outside of the Oreo. That's how popular the Thin Mint is. Oh, wow. Wow. You know, you know what I love about Girl Scout cookies? I have given out tons of them as gifts to clients. You know, you show up someplace, it's like, here, here's a box of cookies. It's a nice little present, right? That sits with someone and their team. And everyone loves them. Everyone knows what they are. They love them. And, and we, we appreciate the support because every box helps a girl achieve a goal or a dream that she has. Our girls, are they use their funding. Some of them use it for trips, to go camping. Some girls even take the money that they've earned and give it back to another organization. Oh, that's so sweet. I love to support it. their local community. I mean, it's just it's just so heartwarming uh, what girls decide to do with the money that they've earned. Wow. Well, we can't thank you enough, Jessica, for everything you've done. And so thank you. Right. Jessica McLean, Girl Scouts Nation's Capital. Well, thank you, Beth. Thank you, Diane. 
Thank you. And we want to thank our sponsors. Uh, we want to thank Google, Paul Hastings, City National Bank, Manette. We want to thank Interpublic Group, as well as Amplify Professional Services. Diane, you want to wrap us up? I do. Thank you for listening. We, we really appreciate it. So please hit the subscribe button on Apple, Spotify, anywhere you find your podcast. Today we're live on LinkedIn. So again, thank you. Do leave us a review and follow us on social media, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram. We love hearing from you. And you know what? I'm just going to give your email Beth and it's Beth at C-Suite. So that's C capital S W E E T dot org. And again, our website is C suite S W E E T dot org. So thank you again. Thank you, Jessica. Go buy Girl Scout cookies, everybody. <laughs> I'm going to see you all on the 19th. Woo-hoo. Yes, exactly. Thank, thank you. you. Bye.